There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. Today in the show, we're here for Rut Fresh Radio, in which we're getting updates from hunters all across the country on the latest deer activity, current conditions, and the tactics that can work for you right now. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. We're here for what will be basically our first December edition of Rut Fresh Radio in 2020. We're going to hear from a group of deer hunters from across the country on what's happening right now, what they've been seeing in the woods, how deer are behaving, how conditions are impacting, how they're hunting, and, and what they and you can be doing over the coming days to fill that tag. I know there's still a lot of you out there grinding away, still trying to get a buck or still trying to fill the freezer. So we want to help you do that. Uh, there certainly are still opportunities to do that. So Spencer, uh, what's, what's the game plan for today? Where, where's your head at? You've still got some kind of post rut hunts ahead of you, right? Yeah, I am headed to Kansas after we finish recording this. I'm going to be hunting with Tom and Nate Crick from identical draw, uh, and I'm stoked because it's Kansas, it's the land of giants, and I'll be carrying a rifle. So I'm really excited. Um, but yeah, typically, yeah. this time of year, I'm not that excited. I'm not someone who has had a lot of success in December. Um, so December makes me sad. But you, Mark, you have had a lot of success in December. I think you've killed probably your biggest year ever in December. What was that, two yeah. years ago? Yeah, two years ago. Yeah, and, and one of the factors that I think catches the interest of a lot of hunters and it's it's maybe like a bigger topic than it is like a reality for most whitetailers but that's the secondary rut can you talk to us this week about like what is the secondary rut what factors go into it how you should hunt it um what sort of determines if you see a strong secondary rut or no secondary rut at all yeah yeah for sure so the the second rut, the secondary rut, whatever you want to call it, is typically a product of doe fawns, so deer that are about six months old, coming into estrus. And, and these deer are reaching sexual maturity about a month later than the rest of the adult does in the population. So 
if you have a healthy, balanced population that you know has all the nutrition it needs and, and everything these deer need to, to be healthy and, and to reach that maturity at this point, if you have that, you're going to get these fawns coming into estrus, some, a few. If you don't, if you've got a wildly out-of-balanced deer herd, if deer are lacking nutrition, uh, if, if things have been skewed in one way or another, you very well may not have any of these does coming into heat late. Um, but maybe where you're heading, Spencer, to Kansas, there's lots of great food, lots of good cover. You know, the cricks are managing the deer herd well. It's probably relatively balanced. I'm betting that there could be some young fawns that are just going to be hitting it now. And this is one of those things that I don't go into the year planning on it. I don't go into December like, oh, man, it's the second rut. I'm going to be hunting all day. It's going to be crazy. No. It's one of those things that I have a regular December late season plan in place. And then I'm going to keep my eye out for one of these little flurries. If I happen to see this flurry of rutting activity in the first or second week of December, I'll know in my head, I'm like, ooh, this might be one of these magical dofons that's coming into heat. And now I want to take advantage of it because I've got a day or two where things might be extra special. Um, but it's quick. These are little blips on the radar that you can take advantage of if you notice them. But I wouldn't plan my whole, you know, strategy around it. This is this is one of those bonus things that you may or may not see. But if you do, you got to jump on it. And if you see it, if you see a little dofon running around with a bunch of bucks chasing her, now you have a 24, 36-hour window where things might be like the rut was on November 7th. So if I see a doe with a buck locked on her, or a bunch of bucks chasing her, I'm going to move right in on that. And I'm going to try to be in the middle of that rutting activity, or I'm going to try to reposition to be along the route that that doe took when she comes back to wherever she came from, um, just like I might have done on November 7th. Let's say there's a buck locked on a doe. If I saw that on November 7th and I watched that doe you know, head out, or maybe, maybe I watched her in the morning head into a bedding area. I would then think to myself, based off of wind, based off of you know all the different things you think about when trying to plan an evening hunt after seeing something like that, my best guess lots of times if I see a buck locked on a doe is that that doe doesn't want to travel a whole lot. She'll probably come back out in a somewhat similar way that evening to feed in that food source if it's if there's a food source that she was coming off of that you can hunt. This is exactly what happened, like you mentioned, a couple of years ago. I spotted this great big 10-pointer locked on a doe in the morning. I watched them go back to bed. So for the evening hunt, I slipped in there and, and got pretty aggressive. It was a bad wind. I would never hunt this area with that wind, but I knew that they were in there. I knew they weren't moving far, and I knew that I had this little brief window where there was a buck that I wanted to kill locked on a doe. It was December, I don't know, 8th or 9th or something, somewhere in that window, and I knew he was going to be with her. So I found, I figured out a way I could cut the wind just right to cut down this creek, and I thought I could probably get away with it. It was it was a swing for the fences kind of move. I normally wouldn't do that in late season December unless you have something like this where you know there's this disproportionately high chance of the buck you're after popping back out. And so that's what I did, and that's what he did. So my suggestion for people out there hunting right now is, Go into your December hunts with a typical late season plan. What that means for me is keying in on the very best food source. Late season is all about food. They are needing to put on the feed bag, recuperating from the main rut, so they want to eat. And then they also typically want to avoid people. 
they want to avoid all the hunters that have been out there crazy chasing them for weeks and weeks and weeks. So if you can somehow find that magical combination of an unpressured area or some kind of sanctuary where these deer feel safe, I just wrote an article about this on the Meat Eater website. Um, if you can somehow find that sanctuary, whether that's literally a property where no hunting's allowed or maybe it's a pocket of a swamp where nobody ever goes into, but, but something that keeps these deer safe, if you can find that and find an attractive food source that's close to it, you've got the the ingredients for high-quality hunts at this point. So focus on that kind of thing, but keep an eye out for the second rut. Keep an eye out for that doe that comes into heat and adjust based off of that. That's that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about this time of year if I'm trying to fill a buck tag. Um, and, I mean, keep an eye out for that yourself, Spencer. I think you're going to have the ingredients for a great hunt, knowing what I know about this place you're going to go to. There's good food. There's good cover. There's good deer. I know they're smart about how pressure has been applied. So, whew, I'll tell you what, I, uh, I'd i be pretty excited if I were you hopping in the truck here soon. Very excited. Um, and I think it's important to stress when we talk about the secondary rut, just how local of a thing this can be. Right, it can be happening literally on one property, but not the next property over. It can be happening um, a couple places in one county, but then have a wide swath of ground where there's not any secondary rut, and then there's you know some secondary rut some other place. Um, so this is rarely like a, a regional or a national event. With that said, last year, Mark, you and I hypothesized that there would be sort of a strong secondary rut for much of the Midwest because there was such a late crop harvest. Um, and so what that created in early and mid-November was a rut that was not very visible. And we figured that with that, that meant that there was um, you know, a better chance that some does went on bread and, and would cycle a secondary time. I say that because if last year this was something that you really witnessed and uh, you know, you would thought like, oh man, how have I missed this in the past that all these bucks are chasing in mid-December and there's this great rutting activity. Um, if you were in an area that had standing corn that made it, you know, to Thanksgiving or whatever, you may not witness that again in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a really important point. This is something that is, it's, it's few and far between. So that, that's, that's like the moral of this whole story is don't count on it but keep an eye out for it. And if you see it, you got to pounce. You've got this little window. Jump on it, get aggressive, take advantage of it. Uh, but don't be disappointed if you never do see anything like it because there will be plenty of you listening that will not see this at all. But there might be a couple that do. And I want to make sure that the couple of you that do know how to handle it and jump in there and get a crack at the deer you're after. So that's what I'm counting on, and I'm hoping for all of you. Uh, I'm I'm tagged out here in Michigan as far as bucks, so I won't be taking advantage of that, but I do want to get out and try to kill some does. Uh, so I'm looking forward to finding some unpressured pockets near good food, but using this to uh, fill an antlerless tag or two. That's great advice, Mark. Um, who we talked to this week is Tyler Shepard from Indiana Whitetails in Indiana, Andrew Maxwell in Alabama from the Southern Outdoorsman, Dylan Tramp from the Outdoor Forum in South Dakota, and then in New York from Tag and Bragg is David G. Rizzo. Excellent. All right, man. Well, let's get to it and get you on the road so you can go fill that Kansas tag. I'm, I'm jealous. I wish I was heading to uh, the Big Beck, Big Buck fantasy land like that, uh, but I'll be watching from afar and cross my fingers for you. I'm stoked. Thank you, Mark, and I'll talk to you next week. See ya. 
All right, and joining us online first is Tyler Shepard in Indiana from Indiana Whitetails. Now, Tyler, in Indiana, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, lately, it's been probably about a 6. Um, been seeing quite a few bucks on different properties. It just depends on what property you're on um, and what kind of food you're hunting over. The rut's really about about over, um, but we we connected this weekend. All, all had to do with food. Yeah, not not bad, but uh, upcoming next few hunts here, when you get on all food, it's going to be real good. That was a great buck that you just killed in Indiana. Tell us about that setup. Uh, we were hunting in a redneck, easy access, not going deep, hunting the edges. Um was hunting over a clover and a corn food plot. And he, I mean, we were pretty close to the bedding, but he was going, going to the food real quick, checking for does whatever's left and uh i took him out there probably the first half hour of the of a saturday morning so came in looking for does and and never made it out of the field what are the best food sources that hunters in that area should be focused on right now i mean if you got food plots like we do um go go hunt those if you got grains they're not really hitting my turnips or anything right now um but but if you got cut corn, I'm I'm always a sucker for cut corn. If you can go on a cut cornfield, um, I've been seeing tons of deer in them. So if you got those, access to them, whatever, hunt the edges and, and get those cut, cut cornfields. Have you been seeing any sign making since Thanksgiving? Um, no, I have seen no sign making, no new scrapes, rubs, nothing. Trail cameras, I, I had to move all my all my cameras off of scrapes and rubs last week or, or two weeks ago or so, transitioning them back all to food. Historically in Indiana, do you see any kind of a secondary rut? Um, I mean, you see a, not really a rut. I don't usually, um, but I see a lot of cruising around. They're still with those, but I've never seen actual chasing, you know, no breeding or anything going on after. I mean, I'd say after this last weekend, you're, you're pretty well done with the breeding cycle. As we get into December, what does a morning setup look like for you? Strictly me. I, I don't hunt mornings come December unless I got something on camera daylight. Uh, I'm pretty much November, late October morning hunting, and then I back off and let the deer feel safe, and I don't want to spook anything. So I stay off of it until evening hunts. So what would it take for you to go do a morning hunt? I'd have to get at least consistent pictures in the morning of a buck uh, showing up that's the only way i'd go in in the morning going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in indiana uh buck activity if the weather it all depends on weather right now but if it uh, stays cold and those bucks got to get up on their feet sometime to go eat so be where the be where the does and the food are and they they i mean your luck should be really good All right, Tyler, congrats again on the great buck. Good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me. Thank you. All right, and joining us on the line next is Andrew Maxwell from the Southern Outdoorsman in Alabama. Now, Andrew, in Alabama, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would say it's probably a 7. We've had, um, I mean, some encounters lately in my friend group. Um, Of course, I killed one uh, two days ago, and our cameras – 
have been showing a pretty decent amount of daylight movement. I mean, of course, in the thick cover, you know, where they're supposed to be, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I would say a seven. There's there's actually a decent amount of nice bucks that hit the ground on the W May I was hunting this weekend. So uh, it's looking pretty good for my particular area. Congrats on that great buck that you just killed. Tell us about that setup. So that particular buck, I was hunting a, basically a giant thicket. I mean, down here we have like almost, we have, we have mostly thickets with little strips of hardwoods running through them. Uh, and so I, I got up to the head of this draw that runs up into a large cutover. And uh, I basically got at the very tip of that, picked out a tree on the very edge with no other trees in front of it and got up and I was watching a, like what we call a compounding feature. We talk about it all the time on our show is like a, like a saddle with like another saddle running into it or like a bench running into a saddle or something like that. So that's what this spot was. It was a compounding feature. There's multiple terrain funnels going to this one spot within a thicket. Um, and not only was it in a thicket, but there was also kind of habitat diversity in the thicket itself. Um, so there's edges in front of me out in the cut that I'm watching. And uh, this buck, he came through right at prime time. I mean, right when they're supposed to come through, like right at sundown, you got that last 30 minutes of light. Uh, he walked out and he was basically just working uh, an edge within that cutover, coming right through the saddle like he was supposed to. And uh, he was actually, I think he was getting ready to make a scrape when I shot him. He was actually uh, peeing on his tarsals. So it was a great hunt. Um, of course, like I said, in the thick cover and another interesting spot, uh, an interesting like little tidbit about that spot is that he was only 200 yards off the road. I mean, there's people driving right past me, uh, but the way that you have to access it, you kind of have to swing in through more thick cover. And, and we're finding more and more that those spots just right off roads that are overlooked and, and hard to get to because of terrain and or vegetation are some of the best spots. So what phase of the rut would you say that your part of Alabama is in as well as the rest of the state? For my particular part here in central Alabama, we're definitely kind of on the edge of pre-rut and rut. Um, we're at the point now where bucks have been fighting for like a week, week and a half, two weeks. Um, some of the smaller bucks are out cruising, kind of doing their thing. And we should have some does that are already starting to come in right now. I mean, peak rut should be, I mean, around December 10th where I'm at, is really like prime time. December 10th is like that day where a lot of guys kill nice bucks that weekend. Um, so yeah, we're, we're right on the edge. Now the rest of Alabama, the vast majority of the rest of Alabama is still as, as a minimum a month out. A lot of places are a month and a half out from the rut. So, um, I mean, where we're at, we're seeing a lot of sign popping up already. Scrapes are getting opened up. Lots of fresh rubs. There's a lot of fresh rubs where I killed this buck two days ago. Um, but for the rest of the state, I think it's going to be more of your typical, I mean, it's not really early season, but it's kind of like that same mindset. I mean, in some places, you know, bucks might even still be together. Uh, they're, they're leaving a lot of sign in the daytime areas that they're hanging out. Uh, but they're not, they're not doing anything related to the rut whatsoever across most of Alabama. You mentioned that the buck that you just killed was hitting a scrape. How much does sign making factor into your decision making this time of year in Alabama? Uh, a lot. Um, a lot of these areas that we're hunting, we have past history with. Uh, like, for instance, this spot last year, we ran cameras in it, and we had a lot of bucks uh, in this area last year at the same time uh, in daylight. So we figured that, you know, this year it would be good, and sure enough, the first time I went in there, I was able to get him. But there's a lot of sign in there. I mean, right now, when we go into spots, 
usually we have an idea that there should be deer in there just based off, you know, the map or past history with the spot. But uh, we definitely want to see rubs and scrapes this time of year in there. I mean, if I'd gone in there yesterday and not seen the amount of fresh rub, if, I, if I'd gone in there yesterday and not seen a single fresh rub, my confidence level would have dropped tremendously. Um, and if I, if I wasn't so late getting in, then I probably would have bounced and went to a different spot. But thankfully, the sign was there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it plays a huge part for us right now. I mean, we're wanting to see those, those scrapes and fresh rubs popping up um and tracks too tracks are really in a way tracks for us are more relevant than anything else because uh, we got so many dirt roads that go through all these cutovers and thickets and and being able to walk down that road and read those tracks and see how fresh they are and get really the the, the best representation possible of like are there deer in this thicket right now you know, you find a track that looks extremely fresh. There's a really good chance that that deer is laying within 200 yards of you. And that's, that's probably one of the more useful tools that, that we've used here lately. I mean, that's how I killed the buck out there last year. And, um, I mean, we've used similar tactics this year and are probably going to continue to do so. So, I mean, for me, tracks are actually kind of number one now. As we approach peak rut, will you do any calling or decoying? Uh, probably won't do any decoying just because it's so thick here. Uh, there's really not many places where you can put a decoy where they would be able to see it outside of like 10 yards. Um, calling, yeah, I'm actually already doing a lot of calling. Um, we've been grunting and rattling a good bit. I haven't had any success yet. Um, several years ago, I killed a nice buck actually on Thanksgiving rattling around here. And I've done it since then and just haven't had much luck with it. But I'm going to keep doing it um, right up. I mean, right up through the rut just because I think it's a, I, I think it'll work. We've, talked to a lot of people lately who swear by it and i haven't had success with it in a while but i'm going to continue to do it going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in alabama for my area i'm going to say it's going to be like a nine or a ten i mean they they're going to be doing it this week for sure we got really cold weather rolling in the rut is supposed to be here and the conditions just look absolutely perfect so i'm going to say it's going to be I mean, this next week and a half, two weeks is going to be as good as it gets uh, in my part of Alabama. Uh, for the rest of Alabama, I'd say it'll probably be still be pretty good. I mean, with this weather front we have coming in. And right now we're kind of in a transition period where pretty much all of our leaves just dropped. And for us in the south, that's kind of when our major shift happens um, because things that were once really, really thick are now a lot less thick and the deer tend to kind of abandon areas. And, uh, when the leaves fall, they kind of get concentrated into more specific bedding areas that, that keep that visual obstruction as opposed to like a sweet gum thicket or something, which, you know, two months ago you couldn't see 10 yards into, and now you can see slap across it. So uh, that's, that's going to be a big factor for everybody. So I think, I think the hunting actually gets a little bit better when that happens. So that combined with the weather that we're having, I think that it'll be a great upcoming weekend to get out in the woods wherever you're at in Alabama. All right, Andrew, congrats again on the great whitetail. Good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Dylan Tramp from Outdoor Forum in South Dakota. Now, Dylan, in South Dakota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, I would say just in the last few days, it's, it's been fairly decent, probably maybe as high as a 7. The rut seems to be winding down a little bit, but have seen a few uh, – bucks chasing does that might be the last few to go into heat through this first cycle and uh, gun seasons are winding down so it's activity's been pretty good 
Now, you're in far western South Dakota. What label would you put on this phase of the rut for that area? It's not quite totally post-rut. I would just say the last phase of the normal rut, whatever title you want to put on that. No, I know you just killed a great buck yesterday. Tell us about that setup and about that hunt. Uh, well, we were just covering some ground and the bucks, and they were on does. They were not quite locked down, seemed like yesterday, but they were just keeping an eye on them and filling their bellies, getting ready for winter. And uh, they were feeding in, seemed to be uh, clearings, clear cuts, cattle pastures, kind of open timber. So I think they were feeding on the grasses. Um, so the setup was just pretty much eliminating it's just all public national forest out here and so i was just eliminating all the easy access areas places that you saw a bunch of boot prints at the trailhead just crossing those off finding funnels next to semi-open terrain where there's grasses and feed and uh, just kind of still hunting through the timber works out are grasses the primary food that you're focused on this time of year or are there other food sources in the black hills in the forest it seems like there's a lot of different food sources, but grasses and just any sort of greenery uh, seems to be the key. And this this time of the year, things are starting to die off. So it seemed definitely like the grasses and the pastures were definitely the place to be over the last few days. That area has had pretty mild weather lately. Historically, as we get in December and things get colder, do you notice a shift in bedding at all in the Black Hills? I don't think so in the in the uh, conifers, I think the bedding will just mainly be dictated by hunting pressure, which should be winding down. But I think they just want to get away and be in the thickest cover available, which isn't. It's kind of monotonous timber in most places, so it's heavy cover is kind of hard to come by. So if you find it and it's secluded, it's probably going to be pretty consistent throughout the year. Do you normally expect to see any sign making at the end of November in the Black Hills? Sign making out here isn't, it doesn't get laid down too heavy. I don't know if it's because needle in the haystack, it's a big forest and the deer concentrations are pretty high. Uh, the, the sign that I did see this weekend was definitely a few weeks old. So I don't, I don't really see it picking up a whole lot, but if you do find it, he's probably pretty close. With that high deer density, you'd expect some sort of secondary rot. Is that something that you typically witness in that area? Just, just like anywhere else. I think the last few that trickle into heat or even the fawns that are, uh, old, old enough and uh, put on enough weight to, to uh, reproduce the first year. They're probably going to trickle in. I I don't think it's a whole lot different out here than any other part of the state. So if you're in the right place and you happen to be by that yearling that comes into heat, deer activity could be a 10. Going forward then is next week or so. What do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in South Dakota? Uh, Buck activity, well, since the uh, gun season is winding down across the whole state, the uh, rut will also be winding down, so those might offset. I, I would expect still decent buck movement if you have the food and you have unpressured, relatively unpressured ground. I'd put it maybe a strong six. All right, Dylan, congrats again on yesterday's 5x5. Five five. Good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me. Thank you, you as well. All right, and joining us on the line next is David Giarizzo in New York from Tag and Bragg. Now, David, in New York, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, the past week, it's probably been about a three. I think um, I think the bucks really ran hard up here for three to four weeks, maybe a little bit longer. We saw a lot of good rut activity at the end of October, early November. And quite honestly, I just think that they're wore out at this point. The scrape activity, the trail camera activity has 
literally come to a halt for us. And honestly, right now we're just trying to gear up for late season. So you haven't seen much rutting activity since Thanksgiving? Not much rutting activity at all. And and in the past, it's been completely different. We usually see a pretty solid, like, second rut activity, you know, in between, like, the 20th and the 28th of, of November. And for the past week or so, it has just been completely dead up here. What are the food sources that hunters in New York should be focused on as we get into December? You know, right now, it, it seems like a lot of the deer, especially like the doe groups, are shifting to the grain. So whether it be beans or corn, um, we're getting a lot more colder weather in as of lately. And we're supposed to get a huge snow front um, tomorrow and Wednesday. So I think the shift to the grain to that late season food source is going to be uh, is going to be necessary in the coming weeks. When that snow and cold is rolling into the Northeast, how does that change things for you as far as your setups go, deer hunting in New York? You know, we've shifted all or a majority of our trail cameras back onto food sources. So, like I said, between the beans, the corn, and even the turnips, we've switched all of our, all or most of our cameras to food sources because we just really weren't seeing scrape activity at all. Um, moving forward, you know, entry, in and, in and out of the stands are going to play a huge part in keeping the deer on your property. We're going to be hunting food sources. We're probably going to be hunting a lot from elevated box blinds because of the inclement weather. And, and it's going to shift to more of an evening hunt. We'll probably focus less and less on morning hunts as we move into December. Are you doing more mornings or more evening setups right now? You know what? We're kind of coming off that like late rut swing where we're still we're still hunting both. I hunted this morning. I actually saw seven deer in the pouring rain this morning, which I was a little bit surprised of. Um, but it seems like a majority of the deer movement has kind of shifted to that last hour before dark. And, and I mean, it's, it's rifle season up here now too. So the human and the hunting pressure definitely plays a part in that as well. Do you historically see some secondary rutting activity in New York? We do. We do. The past couple of years, like I said, late November, even into early December, we've, we've seen some, um, some late rut activity. And, and even from the fawns over the past couple of years, like there's still two fawns on our property that we see pretty regularly that have spots like end of November. I mean, so you can only imagine when that doe was bred last year. So there's definitely some second rut activity for whatever reason this year, it just seems like this past week, the later part of November and, and moving into December has been very, very dormant as far as the deer and, and specifically the big buck movement. Even on our trail cameras, it has come to a complete halt. After the rut and when gun seasons are happening, do you notice a shift in bedding in your area? Definitely. The, uh, the deer, at least by us up in this big hardwood, they typically will, will flock to the hemlock thickets for the thermal cover. So, I mean, they'll spend the majority of their day in those hemlock thickets. We've got some beaver swamps and stuff, some real gnarly thick stuff that they'll go into also, but definitely kind of focus our attention on the food and then the hemlocks, because if it, it seems like, you know, the travel corridors between the two are, are great also, because that's where the deer are staging. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in New York? I think in New York, you know, we'll see a shift to like six or seven, and that's basically just because of the weather. 
as soon as the snow hits up here, these deer are going to be, you know, their main focus is going to shift to the food. I think we're going to see a lot more activity on our food plots, specifically with, with the bucks coming out of their little holes and stuff for the last week or so and shifting to, to try and recoup and revitalize themselves from the rut. So with the major weather front that we have coming in, I would say the buck activity up in New York is going to be a six or seven in the coming week. All right, David, great info. Good luck with the rest of your season. Thanks for joining me. Always. I appreciate the time. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Tyler, Andrew, Dylan, and David for joining me. And thank you guys for listening. I hope you get to witness some of the secondary rut action that magically appears in early December. And as Mark Kenyon has said in the past, the late season can be the great season. I will talk to you guys next week. Stay warm. Good luck. And until then, stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.